Ephesians 6, verse 10 through 13 says, Finally, my brethren, it says, Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles, tricks, deceptions of the devil. Then he goes on to talk about how we don't wrestle. Our fight is not just in the natural realm. It's unseen forces or not seen by your physical eyes. And then he said this in the 13th verse, he said, when we've taken up the whole armor that you may be able to stand in the evil day. We need to know this, not every day is evil. In the world it is. But there are times where we as individuals will have what the Bible calls or Paul calls here an evil day. In other words, it may not be your evil day right now, so to speak, where it seems like, why am I getting attacked? What did I do wrong? Maybe nothing at all. And maybe you're doing something right. Somebody said, well, well, which do you have to do less of to get attacked less? You, you just live in this world. There's opposition, so might as well do it right, right? Right? Oh, just making sure. Well, I'm not well, deciding on that. No, we need to know that it doesn't matter. When we get done, we're going to give an account. And so we want to be able to do it right. And so after talking about this battle of these unseen things, he talks about exactly what the armor is. And we looked at this last week in the 13th uh, verse. Then he starts naming these pieces. And we said this, if he's talking about armor, he's talking about, and a soldier, he's talking about life and death. He's talking about a real struggle, and he's wanting them to equate these things, this Roman soldier, and they were brutal fighters. He wanted us to know, listen, just like they've got armor, just like they do things, we need to have armor so we can win out in life. And so verse 14 said, stand therefore, having gird your waist with truth. So he kind of goes through this armor and names these parts, but he connects a biblical truth to it. He said, having your waist girt about with truth, or, you know, it would be a girdle, a thing that holds the armor together, uh, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and taking the helmet of salvation uh, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, we said this last week, if you take away the armor parts, it kind of helps you to know what he's saying that every individual should take unto themselves. Because so many people are trying to figure out this helmet, what size is that? It doesn't matter. Do I, is it shiny armor? What does it look like? Let's just remove that. Though there is significance with it, let's remove it so we can focus on, are we taking these things to ourselves? So he said this, take up truth, take up the understanding of righteousness, take up the gospel, take up faith. And we know faith moves mountains. Here it quenches darts. And then he said, that we're to take up salvation and or the understanding in our mind of it. And then he said the word of God. And we talked about that, that the word of God there literally means spoken out of your mouth. 
So he tells us, take up truth, righteousness, the gospel, faith, salvation, and the word of God in your mouth. And so it helps us because sometimes if you are, get focused on the armor part, you're like, well, what is this? A sword and this is this. But he said, take these. Well, we know probably these verses if you've been a Christian long because they're fascinating when you read across them. I mean, you're like, whoa, we're in a real battle. And I don't think we should make a ton out of the battle. I don't think we should get focused on the devil. I think we should be more focused on the Lord and what he did. I think you get in danger when you focus on the wrong thing. And I think what he was trying to do is get you to focus on the right thing. But truth be told, we need to see what these attacks look like. We need to know we can win because he said we can. But if we don't know what they look like, sometimes we can surrender without even knowing. So let's do this and go look at the first attack on humanity. Genesis, the third chapter. God makes man, makes woman, you know, and mankind is here upon the earth. And um, it all starts way back there with great, 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 great grandma Eve. And there's some stuff to be seen here. Now, I'm going to read in the second chapter uh, just a couple of verses, and we're going to jump to the third chapter. So Genesis 2.15, it says, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden uh, of Eden to tend it and to keep it. So he had, before man ever sinned, he had responsibility to do certain things. And the Lord commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may eat or freely eat. But the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day you eat, you will surely die. So we know here, before he ever got started, the Lord wants a man who wants to worship him and wants to obey him. He gave us a free will. If there's no options for a different way, there is no free will. And... Uh, you're just a robot. God didn't want that. He wants people who want him. And it's interesting that when we go to the third chapter, we see the first temptation, the first battle, the first evil day has arrived. Uh, we're going to read uh, about six verses here. Now, the serpent was more, verse 1, more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, uh, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Verse 4, Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, verse 5, for God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. So the woman saw the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree was desirable to make one wise. She took of its fruit, she ate it, 
and she also gave to her husband with her, and he ate too. That's the first story of this attack, this battle, the evil day coming to man. And what's interesting is, and I think what we need to do is observe this, because if this is how it was back then, the devil's not a creator. He doesn't come up with new stuff. His stuff's as old as it is. But you know what? It worked back then. So you'll notice it can work, but it doesn't have to today. Here's some facts I think we need to observe about this story. The very first thing is these attacks centered around what God really said. That's important. Whenever you face something in life, whether it's discouragement, it comes down to what did God really say? What did God really say? And here's another fact that I think we need to realize. Because when you go to talking about the devil, there are some people who get all turned on. Other people freak out and go, I ain't coming back till they're done talking about him. Both of those are not good ideas. Here is an interesting fact. She wasn't even alarmed at the fact that she was hearing stuff from the enemy. She wasn't even alarmed. She wasn't even bothered. This stuff could lead her astray, totally bring her into destruction... She's just listening to him. That, to me, is an interesting observation. There was no fear. There was no over-fascination. But we do recognize here in this context that the enemy was throwing thoughts, ideas, and suggestions at her. And the serpent, here's another thing. The serpent gave her a thought that she was missing out. God knew something and was withholding. How many people say, if I really commit to God, I'm going to miss out on something in this world? Uh, there's something I'm going to... That's the oldest one in the book. Literally, this book. The oldest one. I mean, that's right there. God knows you're missing out. You chose this man. You chose this woman. But you're missing out. Maybe I am. No, you're not. You're missing out on destruction. You're missing out on garbage. You're missing out on all kinds of stuff by staying. You with me? Why is it the people go south? They start going south in their head. The enemy starts going, look at them. You with me? He did it back then. And here is another fact that I find interesting about this temptation. She totally gave up on entertaining what God said. And thought that what the devil said sounded good. Right? Didn't she? she gave it up. Just tossed aside what God said and said, you know what? What the enemy, these thoughts are sounding really good right about now. They're going to make me wise. They're, they're going to they're gonna do something for me. 
uh, any of us who have ever not done what God wanted, we recognize something led us astray. You didn't go by yourself. Thoughts came, ideas came, suggestions came. We entertained them, and we went astray. She did that. She thought, well, it's better. This is God's, God's trying to make me miss something. What am I missing? You're not missing anything. What's so horrible about it, she totally became short-sighted, and her choice, because remember I said everybody's life has a ripple effect, she didn't think about us all great, 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 great grandkids, great grandkids, great, great grandkids down the line that were affected by her choice, and she just thought about her, didn't think about her loved ones, didn't think about her family, didn't think about the descendants, and she acted on it, and the Lord said, the day you do that, you're going to get all messed up, and she said, I'm doing it because I'm missing something, and she plunged in, and then the ripple effect was massive. Now, don't get mad at her when we get to heaven and go, I've been waiting to see you. You were the one who did this. You might not have done better. You with me? Here is something that I find as a fact that is incredible. She knew it was God who had spoken to her before. She knew it. it she knew God had dealt with her. She repeated what God had said to her, to the enemy. She knew it. She, and somehow, because she didn't deal with this, and, the, and here's the thought. These have to sound pretty good and pretty persuasive to get somebody who meets with God every afternoon, walks with them in the cool of the day, and she repeats to the enemy, this is what God said, to totally dump what God said to choose this other. And what's so fascinating is she knew it was God. She said it was God. She declared it was God to the devil and then accepted the devil's way of thought, even knowing the outcome would be brutal, entertained it, accepted it, and then acted on it. But here is where she got messed up. She didn't really remember exactly what God had said properly. She didn't keep that before her, and so she began to act contrary. Here is what I find interesting is the Lord never said don't touch it. He just said don't eat it. So she takes the thing and holds it, and she doesn't die. But he just didn't say don't touch it because she said if, if I touch it or if we eat it, we're going to die. But she touched it and had no negative results. So might as well eat. And that was the end of the program. How many people have thought, well, I'm touching it. I'm getting near it. I'm okay. And then all of a sudden they think, well, nothing's happening. I've seen people do that, push out and push out. They're reasoning their way. They're entertaining, thinking that there's no big deal. And then they eat it, and that thing bites them back. And then life is miserable, and then it's pick up the pieces after that. God doesn't want that. But there is hope if people have done that. But we're talking about how to stay purposeful in life, how to stay with it 
in life. And you have to know this, God's design by putting these truths in the Bible is not to make us afraid, not to cast shame on us, but to help us to know that he has said these things so when that evil day does come, we can go, wait a minute, I knew you were coming, and no, you don't get to stay in my life. Let's go back and consider a couple of things in Ephesians 6. Now, knowing that thoughts, ideas, and suggestions do come, and they will challenge the truth, and they will challenge what we're doing. They'll challenge your commitment. You're missing out. You know, you should have a bunch of hobbies. You know, when we get to heaven, the Lord for sure is going to say to you, how come you didn't have more hobbies? Why didn't you have more hobbies? I'm not opposed to hobbies, but sometimes people think I'm missing out. My friends are out there at the lake. I'm here at church. Just observe their pattern of life. You with me? And we're living for eternity. And so we need to recognize there's nothing wrong with going to the lake. I'm definitely not saying that. I like lakes. I like water. I like lakes with water. I like clean water lakes too. Not all polluted lakes. So I'm not saying it's bad, but I'm saying things have to be in their proper order and their proper place. If you get a jet ski or a boat, I'm not opposed to that. But don't let it begin to control you. And check with God when you get it. Because some people don't check, they get it, and they're needing, oh, i got to get out there all the time. Be careful. No, you know, make decisions. But when we're doing things like that, I think it's important for us. And then use self-control if you have one. I didn't say don't go fast. I said use self-control. Don't let it be the thing that you do and it draws you away from everything because your life has a ripple effect. So Ephesians 6 Let's look at this again, 14 through 17. And uh, let's consider some things here that I think are important. See, because God, really, if we're going to build the kingdom, it's work we do in here, so to speak. And then if we're going to add to the kingdom, it's what we do. You know, it's the opportunities we take to bring and reach people and do things like that. And what I find interesting is, all of that stuff with your walk with God is right here in these verses. Notice this in verse uh, 14, 614. Stand therefore having girded your waist with truth. In other words, you need to get in the book for yourself and you need to read. He said, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. You need to understand that the only way a person is righteous is not by their works, not by how much they do, not by how hard you try. The only way a person is righteous or in good standing with God is when they receive Jesus. When you receive Jesus, you receive right standing, which is righteousness. He cleanses every believer. And so he said, take up what? A understanding of the truth. Take up the understanding that you are right. Because I'll tell you what, in the battles of life, shame will come. Shame for past failures. Shame that you don't measure up. Shame that you're shame on you. 
Shame, shame, shame. No wonder he said, get truth and then righteousness. Well, isn't righteousness a truth? Yeah, but go read the New Testament, and it's in there again and again and again. Justified, righteous, declared innocent, justified, righteous. Why? Because God knows in this life, if you're going to live it for him, you need to know he cleaned you up, he made you right, he made you accepted, he made you good. I didn't say everything you did was good. He made you good because you received Jesus. That's it, period. And so we go on to the next thing, and he said, after we put on the breastplate of righteousness, and he said, having shod your feet with the gospel of peace. All we have to do is pull that word out there. It's take up the gospel. What is this gospel? It means to herald the good news. The good news about the Messiah, the Savior. So every believer should have this mentality that I am heralding sharing the good news, that I'm reaching people, that I'm bringing people, that I'm to help people to come into the kingdom. Isn't it interesting that he put that in the armor if we want to be successful in life and do God's plan? He said the gospel, because it's so important that the world is desperately in need, and if you get so caught up in your own life, you may forget about those other people who are on their way to hell. And he said, in this armor, take up the mentality of sharing. And I promise you this, God, if you'll have this mentality, he'll give opportunities to you. He'll send people across your path. And all it will take is like, you know, Andrew and Peter and different ones in the Bible. And they just said, hey, come and see. I have found the Lord. And all it takes is a reach and a bring, and they can come to know Jesus. And so he said the gospel. The next thing he said was, after the gospel of peace is this, or peace with God, verse 16, above all, take the shield of faith. So even above this, we take the shield of faith. What do we do with this faith that we're taking up? Well, Jesus said you can move a mountain. Here he said you can put a fiery dart out. See, what happened with Eve, she didn't put those fiery darts out. She entertained them. And so the faith she had was God said this, I'm not thinking and entertaining that. She started entertaining what it would be like to be like God, to, to call the shots, to know everything, to govern my own life. Well, here's the thing. The dude that's tempting her tried that very thing when he said, I'll exalt my throne to where God sits. I'll sit where he sits. I'll toss him out of heaven. So he went up there and drew a third of the angels you got to understand, if he was able to get a third of the angels to follow him and they saw God, this dude is good at lying. He's good. That's not a compliment. If he's able to get more people to not follow the Lord than do follow the Lord, because Jesus said the path is broad, this dude's a liar and we need to recognize he does not have our good at stake. And I mean, he did it with a third of the angels. Then he's down here and he's doing it with her. And he's still here. And we need to recognize we can put those things out. 
We don't have to entertain them. Some thoughts may insist on trying to stay, but you stay with it and keep your attention on the Lord. What I find interesting is, as soon as he talks about faith that quenches darts or moves mountains, he said, put on the helmet of salvation. Why did he say, put on this thing that covers your head, your thoughts? After he said, start dealing with these darts, because these darts come at your head. And he said, put on the helmet of salvation. Think like you're saved. Think like you've got it. Think like Jesus purchased this stuff for you. Don't think like an outsider. Think like you belong to God. Hey, when he's giving thoughts, you need to choose where you're going to think. And he said, you put this on and you start thinking. You have to be disciplined. How many soldiers are undisciplined? Now, I mean, not, not trying to be funny, but I have watched some videos of some of the armies in the Middle East that we went over and crushed. And they showed them. And you would have thought it, it was Gomer Pyle. USM, somebody said, ooh, Gomer Pyle. He was there, and he was a dopey guy that was in the, the Marines and would just go the wrong way and do this. They looked like a bunch of piles of Gomer. Gomer's pile. Gomer, that did not sound right. <laughs> and that was not intended, but it does paint a picture like most words do. Anyway, they, they're all marching around, and it looked horrible. We went over there and started training them. But the reason why we whooped them so bad, even though they had lots of numbers, we were superior in our training, in our understanding. And if you're not disciplined in these things, man, it could hurt. Praise the Lord. So we got to put on the helmet of salvation. We need to think saved. Think like God's for you. Think like Jesus died for you. Think like you're alive in him once you've given your life to him. You have to be disciplined. The next thing is this. He said, take up the word of God, which we said literally means to the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. It literally means speak. Isn't it interesting? Jesus faced that same dude that Eve faced. Totally did. Totally faced the same one. And he got tempted. Questioning who you are. I mean questioning him. Trying to get him to go astray. And what did he do? He thought right. He didn't entertain the wrong. But he used the sword of the spirit. He started speaking the word of God. It's super important that you have these mentalities in you because you need to think, I need to speak the word. I need to hold to the truth and think right. I need to think about the lost world out there. You with me? These things will set you up for victory and you can walk in victory. Don't be bothered in the evil day. The Bible said when you're tempted and you fall into temptation, rejoice. Great. He said, count it all joy. He didn't say it's joyful, but he, if you do it right, you'll come out stronger. You'll come out more than a conqueror. While you're in it, you are a conqueror. 
But here's what we need to do. Let's close with this verse in Romans, Romans the sixth chapter. This is Paul writing here. And uh, these people had struggled with sin in their lives. And uh, they had actually not only struggled with sin, said they had started yielding themselves. You know what it means to yield? Like when you're on the freeway and there's a car who wants over into your lane, that means speed up and get right next to them and don't let them in, right? And then they speed up, you speed up, don't let them in. They slow down, you slow down. That means yield, right? No. Yield means you get out of their way and you let them in. Well, what had happened was these people in this church at Rome had started yielding to the thoughts and the ideas and the wrong things, and now they're doing wrong. They're doing bad. Think about it. What did Paul say to them in the midst of this and how to get stronger and how to walk out of it? Notice verse 11 of the sixth chapter. He said, likewise, you also reckon or consider or see yourselves as being dead indeed to sin. But wait a minute, they were doing wrong. He said, you need to start seeing yourself dead to sin but alive, and alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. You need to start entertaining the fact, I am dead to sin. This is not how God made me. This is not the way the Lord wants me to walk. What has happened was they started entertaining it thinking, well, this is okay. How many people that get delivered from drugs end up going back because they start entertaining what they missed? Same old joke the guy pulled before. You're missing out. No, that's why you left. And he wants people to, instead of doing what the Lord said and entertaining that they're dead to it and that stuff's junk, they were entertaining wrong. But here's a thought. If the fact is that we are dead, and the Bible said that, every believer who has received the Lord is dead to sin. Be careful what you entertain. Don't freak out if you have a bad thought. Just don't entertain them. Start entertaining like I'm dead to sin. I'm alive to God in Christ. But here is an interesting thought. Is this the only area he wants you to entertain what he says about you? Is this the only area he wants you to consider it so before you see it and experience it in your own life? Is this the only scripture that, that just in this area of being dead to sin? Or, or does he want you to uh, consider other things he said to you as fact? Like if he said his spirit's in you, oh, do you think he doesn't want you to consider and reckon and see it like he's in you? If Jesus is your Lord, you don't think he wants you to reckon and think like, man, he dominates my life, he's my Lord, and see it that way. He does. Everything he says to you, he wants you to entertain it like it's so. He wants you to see it like it is, even if you're not experiencing it. And they weren't experiencing it in life. But he said, you do it, and then the very next verse talks about sin not governing their life. It's important what we entertain. And know this, 
God has set these things in order so we can walk in victory. We need to think about the lost. We need to think about our own salvation. We need to think about the truth and realize there is a battle and not every day will be an evil day. And you'll come through a test and a trial and think, woohoo, I never want to quit. And then all of a sudden you'll have a test and say, what did I do? Don't worry, you'll come through that one too. But you need to be disciplined. Amen.